0: Welcome back to the ONG Strike Zone. Brian, Kelvin, Kofi uh, joining us now uh, for – thank you for joining us, matter of fact. fact, I can't get it out, but anyway, uh, make sure you're following us on social media, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Go like and subscribe to the at ONG Strike Zone pages. Uh, And of course, if you're watching or listening to this, make sure you like and subscribe wherever you're listening to us. And if you happen to be listening to us and not watching us, then you need to make sure you give us a rating or a review if you can. We are everywhere that you can find the BCSN pod zone, Google, Apple, iHeart, everywhere. We are loaded up in so many places, uh, getting a lot of great reviews. So thank you for those who... Are watching the show commenting uh you know we we it's a loaded show today so we're not gonna get to a mailbag section but the twi- that you see the email address there ong strike zone at gmail send us an email any questions comments you know and we'll uh, we'll make sure to uh read and review uh one again give a shout out and a thanks to coach go uh yilmaz uh awesome I, you know I gotta admit guys that's the first time that I've had a chance to actually hear coach you know there's not much out there on our own pages and I say us on our FAMU athletics pages no not very many interviews from coach so it's kind of great to actually you know hear him hear his enthusiasm for the program what any takeaways that you guys had from the conversation we had
1: Well, I'm excited. I mean, he brings a ton of energy. He brings a ton of uh, experience, uh, insight, and wisdom to our volleyball program. He wants to be here. He's embraced the culture. Um, He has a desire and he has, I heard vision when I was hearing him communicate um, in regards to the program. So, He's engaged with the parents. He's engaged with the kids. He's engaged with the technology aspect of it. I was definitely impressed. And that's one of the things that the ONG Strike Zone is going to bring to the table um, when it comes to exposing Rattler Nation to the quality of individuals that we have or coaches that we have in our athletics program so that we won't be a one-dimensional athletic program that focuses only on football our Olympic sports teams have an opportunity to be great. Our other sports have an opportunity to be great and we want to embrace them and we want to see them be great. So I, I was happy to meet him Man, he's, he was amazing.
0: Yeah. And, and I mean, Calvin, you, you've obviously had a chance to work with him. I didn't, I didn't look, I didn't even know that you were, were a big part of uh, getting uh, the, the volleyball program into the uh, Gaither gym. So, I mean, congrats. Congrats to you, uh, you know, and, and being a part. And so you've had a chance to to talk and, and know coach uh, a lot. So I mean, that's awesome. I'm glad you uh, I'm glad you were able to to, to tie that in and, and get us in.
2: Yeah, it's about the kids and the, and the program and anything that I can do to further along the uh, my alma mater and and put a good put us in the best possible light. Then that's what I, I try to do. It ain't about me. It's bigger than me. Yeah. Uh, so, so in terms of coach, though, um, I I really was glad to that he agreed to come on, and and I know what kind of coach he is, and how how good of a uh, communicator he is, and and I I wanted rally nation to have an opportunity to be introduced to him, because yeah. like you say, you uh, know, you know, a lot of folks don't know his background, don't know uh, about his program, or and you, we don't have a lot of video, but I, I tell you, I really. Was struck and loved what he when he talked about his scheduling philosophy, right? Yeah, me too. So, so he he talked about going to different regions and and putting our our, our kids against competition that they may see if they make it to the NCAAs and being able to win and be thinking about the NCAAs when you're putting the schedule together. I, I mean, obviously he wants to win. So, and then the different styles of play, no, and that, that kind of intric, intricacy. So, as we bring them back on the show more often, uh, I want them to start talking about the, you know, giving us a kind of volleyball 101, because I know for a lot of us, we're not as familiar with uh, um, the different positions, for example. Uh, what's a setter versus what's an attacker and all that. So, uh, so in the future, I look forward to, you know, kind of just educating us, getting us more familiar with the program. And, of course, like I say, most of the home games are in October, so I really want to push uh, around the nation of students and, and and anyone who's around who comes in for the football games or or the the you know the the local folks to make sure we go and support that program because I got a feeling he said top three I got a feeling they'll be right there at the end competing for a championship.
0: You, Absolutely. You know what's interesting? I I find uh, and, and I'm probably maybe it's just me. I feel a little guilty that. That decade of dominance that we had in volleyball, I feel like, and if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. Tell me I'm wrong. But I feel like Rattler Nation was so, we were so focused in on football, so focused in on some of the many lows of those years. I mean, we had a couple of good years, but most of them in that decade when the volleyball team was one of the best in the MEAC region, maybe even the state. Nation. Nation. You know, for that period uh, where we won nine consecutive, uh, 11 of 13, and we were beating the number one. You know, we we missed out on that, I think, because, well, really, you know, social media wasn't around, not like it is now. Um, There wasn't really much coverage, like there are more outlets now. Um, and so and, and just the, the nature of the community, we were more focused in on football. And so I think we missed out on a great period of sports. And if I'm wrong, I'm wrong, but I, I feel like I don't want that to happen again. You know, I feel like that sounds like a coach almost in the in the same that you know, coach Tony had a he, he brought a certain certain different kind of uh, style. Uh, to 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 uh, the volleyball culture in the Miak that dominated. I mean, he dominated with what he brought, and and the young ladies that he brought to FAMU, and so hearing now, here's a coach who he's been in. He's been in Tallahassee. He's been in the area. He understands the volleyball culture in terms of what it takes in that region, and in order to get into the NCAA tournament. So instead of going off and playing check games so to speak or traveling to check tournaments and possibly getting beat down 3-0 he's like it sounds like to me hey let's play competition within our region that that helps us get evaluated in the region so if it comes down to us and somebody else maybe on the bubble uh there's a chance we can get in or if we do earn our own bid now these are the kind of teams we're going to face um, you mentioned that scheduling, uh, Calvin. You know, we, we, those first – I'm looking at the, the weekends here. We, we start off August 27th and 28th. We, the, the, the ladies are in Mobile, Alabama for the first weekend. Then they have a tournament in Fort Myers the next weekend. Then uh, Charleston, South Carolina. And then Auburn, Alabama. So that's four weekends, you know, uh, where they're traveling. And, and then uh, the good thing about the SWAC scheduling – most of the SWAC scheduling is done around Friday, Saturday, Sundays, mm-hmm. you know, so everybody has a travel partner. Of course, our travel partner is Bethune. So, you know, for example, when we open up the SWAC schedule uh, on the road, we're traveling to Mississippi on a Friday and Saturday where we play Jackson state to open the season on a Friday. And then on a Saturday, we travel to Mississippi state Itabena. So, and then we come back home. So it kind of works out where, you know, when we're in Jackson State, Bethune is at Mississippi Valley. And then it just kind of switches. So it seems like everybody has a coordinated travel partner. And, uh, you know, the first home game, just to let people know, is October 10th on a Sunday. Uh, Actually, it's a part of a doubleheader day where in the morning we play Prairie View A&M. At uh, nine o'clock in the morning on Sunday, and then at night we play Texas Southern at seven p.m. And I'm sure, probably by the by the tell, uh, Bethune is probably going to be there too. So it'll probably be while we play Prairie View, it'll probably be Bethune and Texas Southern playing afterwards, and then the teams will switch. Uh, that that's usually how it would uh, would go. So uh, that's, that's something to look out for to, in uh, the upcoming season, and, and just to make sure you know everyone knows, go follow the uh, volleyball program at famu underscore vb. I, I kind of said it wrong in the end of the interview, but it's at famu underscore v as in volleyball vb. That's the initials for volleyball. So make sure we follow them and uh, keep up to date on what's happening. All right, preseason for the hundred. Kofi, time for you to tell us what can we expect from the Marching 100 as we prepare to go into SWAT country. Lots of chatter, lots to talk about.
1: You know, Rattler, you know, one of the pillars of our institution is the band. And so the Marching 100 is a big part of the culture. Uh, at Florida Agriculture and Mechanical University and HBCU bands w- are a major part of the culture for HBCUs. Uh, we're going into a conference where um, band is really, really big. Um, in the MEAC, uh, for instance, we had six home games. Did we had five or six home games in 2019. I think, we I had think- five. We had five whole games. We saw one band, mm, all right. right Fort Valley brought their band uh South Carolina State didn't bring their band, et cetera, et cetera. All that stuff was going on um but now, actually, we saw two bands, Southern uh-huh. and Fort Valley, seven. yeah, Southern and Fort Valley, but now every week there's going to be a band <laughs> there's going to be a band, and the hundred is preparing. they've got about i want to say. 256. Um, this is the largest trumpet section that the 100 will, will field in a long time, and that is key because the SWAC is a, uh, largely a trumpet conference. Um, the good thing is, is that uh, Dr. Chipman and his staff are making subtle changes that I think Rattler Nation is going to be proud of. They have a ton of stand music. It's going to be interesting to see how they implement those things as they go forward, and they know that they have to be ready because right off of the right out of the gate, they go against one of the uh, premier, not only HBCU bands, but they go against one of the premier bands in the country from Jackson State, who has also almost like a three hundred piece band. So um, it's it's going to be it's going to be quite telling. Uh, regarding where the hundred is and how they're going to proceed going forward. But I'm definitely excited about this year and I will go more in depth on next week. So everybody can go on ahead and set their, their calendars as I go more into depth about what to expect from the hundred.
0: Um, what, what, I, you know, I, it's so loaded. I, I, you know, when I watch these band videos um, and just the pageantry of, the SWAT competition. I mean, you know, you, you talk about the fifth quarter. I mean, um, I remember homecoming against, uh, was it, was it when we had Grambling for homecoming back in the nineties? Southern. Um, Was it Southern for homecoming? I thought we had Grambling. We've
1: We've never played played Grambling for homecoming until this year, but anyway, until this year. uh, Right. Right.
0: Okay. So I, I just remember the Southern homecoming, and I just remember sticking around for the fifth quarter. I mean, I know, you know, a lot of people uh, may have kind of darted off because I think we had beat Southern to a pulp that game. But a lot of people darted off afterwards. But there was a nice contingent of people who stuck around for the fifth quarter. Um, I got a feeling that that's a that's something that is more – like like you this, said, we don't get a lot of
1: – You don't have any idea, bro, and Rattler Nation – I'm telling us now, we're talking a lot of trash on this, you know, on social media, et cetera, et cetera. But it's a totally different deal. First of all, when swag bands get off the bus, they are ready to perform. Okay. So they're going to march into your stadium or march to your stadium. They're going to play. It's almost like it's a parade coming to your stadium. So they're going to come to your stadium. They're trying to get there extra early so that they can set the tone or set the atmosphere and welcome their fans. So when they get to the stadium, they're going to be ready to play. So it's not only a fifth quarter, it is a zero quarter. And so you're looking to get uh, fans into your stadium before the game even starts, before the teams even actually get out to warm up. The band, the opposing band is in there in your stadium, ready to play. So the home bands um, don't even do pregame in the swag. The home teams, they march to the stadium. They come to the stands, they they are ready to blow on you when your band comes through the gate. That is <laughs> that is standard swag culture. It is not, you know, it is meant to try to intimidate, make you mad, but they want to play these loud whole notes as soon as your band appears at the gate they are ready to play. Like, a lot of family people were shocked, you know, when Southern was like, oh, the 100's walking in, and Southern was like,
3: square, we're going to,
1: they were ready to play as soon from from time before the 100 got there, they was ready. When the 100 got there, they was ready when they left the field. They was ready in first, second, all that stuff. They're, they're going to play the entire game, all right? So then halftime, and then you got the fifth quarter. But it is a real, real real deal, and they do place more emphasis on the stands than they do the field shows. It does show. But what I will say is the band spends the majority of his time in the stands during the game. Mm-hmm. So you need to be good in the stands as well. Mm-hmm. So it's important that uh, the hundred is battle ready and they don't have a choice, but to be battle ready this year because these bands are not intimidated by the hundred. They're not afraid of the 100 they are ready to try to, you know, stamp their edge in history to try to say, look, we embarrass FAMU. So
0: that's um, what it's all about. I, I'm going to challenge you, Kofi, to make sure when you're ready to, as we get into next week and we get this uh, more in-depth, I want to know, and, and, and correct me if I've got my sections correct, we've got tubas, percussion, trumpets, Am I missing another? Uh, if there's like, if you had to rank sections, is there, I mean, those are the three that stand out to me, but is there another section? Trombones, man, what's wrong well, with okay, you? Okay, I was gonna say, but do you, do you count? For trombones? Okay, trombones. I'm sorry, trombones.
1: Saxophones, clarinets. Oh, okay, Piccolos but, is big with the hundred. We got Piccolos.
0: But, but right. everybody doesn't have a strong wind section.
1: No, and, and really in marching band, everybody has a different style. And what I try to get every, especially marching band aficionados to see is just to embrace what they bring to the table. It's different. It's not supposed to be like what we do. Um right. but what so, everybody
0: does have though, everybody does that's why I broke it down in those three. Everybody does have uh good good uh brass. good brass, brass, good, good percussion, and good tubas, right? Everybody's got those three, if nothing else. The
1: SWAC is a brass conference. All right. They could so, care the, for the most part. They could care less about woodwinds. They they're there, yeah. but it's a brass conference. What's going to get everything home is the level of play from your 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 sousaphones, which is your tubas, your your trombones, your baritones, your trumpets. And in the SWAC, mellophones or French horns are extremely important. So you're gonna hear that and they play loud, they play whole notes, they do all that stuff. You know, fam we really pride ourselves on the level of musicianship. Um yeah, with a, many of a them, musicianship. <laughs> yeah, they 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 ain't concerned about none of that stuff. They are not concerned. Um, at the least some of the bands are, like your Alabama AM's. Jackson State has a high level of musicianship, which is why this game is extremely important, but they're versatile and they can do both. They can give you musicianship and they can give you hood. They can give you gospel. They can give you a number of different things. Plus, they have one of the best auxiliary chords in the country with the J sets and the drum majors are dynamic. So it's going to be important for the 100 to be able to come in with a lot of energy and a lot of creativity and bring something new to the table which uh, I'm excited to say they're going to be able to do this year.
2: If I can jump in real quick, COVID, I want you, I want you to comment on um, what a. I know that they're doing a new turf field for the hundred, and that and that should be starting shortly and should be finished, complete. I think by the end, end of September. What does that mean in terms of uh, helping the, the 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 marching band program at FAMU?
1: That's going to help tremendously because just like with football, facilities are everything. So you don't want to be practicing on a field where you can get injured, step in holes, break your ankle, break your knee, because the Marching 100 has the most physical marching style of any marching band in the country, bar none. Uh, you know, good, bad, whatever people think, our marching style is definitely the most physical. Um, you're, you're, you're picking your knees up. Uh, at a 90 degree level, you're supposed to be driving your toes in the ground. And if you got a, a, a field that is subpar, you're making yourself vulnerable to energy, uh, injury. So, um, this is really big. Plus, it's going to help the branding of the institution. The, the logo is going to be on the field, it's going to help monetize and create monetary. Uh, opportunities for the band to be able to raise funds and money for businesses and just different things as they look to stake their claim to the field it's going to be a I want to say a uh, another opportunity to brand Florida and brand the March 100 uh, and expand the territory I think it's going to be unique because um, you don't have to worry about watering the field the field's already going to be marked you don't have to have people going out there and doing all this extra stuff. It's already taken care of. So that takes an extra load off. You can just go out to the field and just be ready to practice. So I'm definitely excited about the implementation of this um, artificial turf.
0: So they're putting field turf on the patch.
1: Absolutely. Thank you. That means that no ant man is going to be out there. We ain't got to worry about being bit by ants and and stuff like that now mosquitoes are still gonna be out there so if you don't have off and you don't have your little you know mosquito lamps and stuff like that you'll you'll still get bit but back in the day boy standing out there on the patch boy you get a fire ant patch you could step in bruh. it was serious
0: you learned something new folks every time you come (laughs) into the omg strike zone you learn something new, and raise your hand if you if you knew that the patch was going to be Astro Field Turf. I'm telling you, I did not know that, and and there we go. Kelvin, Kelvin, and Kofi just dropped that knowledge on on us, and so uh, man, I tell you, you guys, and so uh, I promise you, Kofi's top five next week, top five. You you tell it which top five do you want? You want the top five? Uh, Sousaphones. do you want the top five percussions do you want the top five horns uh what well, i would the- do it's going to be top
1: five swag and top five hbcu bands in the country actually it's going to be top 10 because i think okay. people want to know uh where where we're going to be on that
0: list uh famules we pride ourselves on being number one can you, um, can you can you honestly can you honestly Put fam you somewhere other than one. If you had to, you would be honest. I enough can. Okay. I can. I can. Okay. I
1: I can. I want to give an honest assessment about it. where we are, and I think that that's 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 cool. And I think that just people need to pay attention to that. I think that it gives people an opportunity to see um, how you watch watch marching bands, March. and I think you know uh, Rattler Nation is is privy because. Um. They've been watching hundred a long time, so your old school people have no problem breaking down hundred. They know when a line is straight. They know when a circle is round. They know when spaces are open. They know when it sounds good. They know when it sounds bad. You know, they like oh, they sound different now. Oh, that band is loud. Oh, that you know, listen, I'm, uh, Rattler Nation is privy in the arts. If you can sing, we'll we'll give it up to you. But if you can't sing, bro, Rattler Nation is worse than the Apollo. If your band is good, Rattler Nation will give it up. If your band is bad, yeah. Or you're a rival institution like Southern. Doesn't mean that your band necessarily sucks, but we just don't like y'all. So that's what it's all about. So we will boo you from time to time. But we know a quality band when we see one.
0: Well said. All right, folks. So we got something to look forward to coming up on next uh, next week's show. Any, any comments or questions that you want to ask about SWAT bands or just how FAMU is going to relate Uh, to its competition in the SWAC. Make sure you send those emails, strikezone at gmail.com. And then uh, that way, uh, you know, it'll be part of uh, the mailbag. So when Kofi breaks that down for us in the next episode, uh, we'll have that for you. Uh, Coming up after this break, it was a big day in the recruiting news for FAMU, man. One of the biggest days in a while, I'd say. So we're going to talk about that when we come back after this break. And then kind of wrap it up with a little investigative reporting we did on the uh, men's basketball program down in Puerto Rico. We'll try to give you a little insight into that. You're watching and listening to the ONG Strike Zone. Brian, Kelvin, Kofi, we'll be back right after these words. I have in me the support the Black College Sports Network so we can continue to provide you coverage. Go to myjbn.com slash support we'll and be a part of the Black College Sports Tell everybody they
3: can follow their dreams. Have you had your Earthblend coffee today? At Earthblend Coffee, we take pride in offering you the very best of beans across the world, blended and roasted to perfection, giving you superior quality and satisfying and flavorful taste. Experience the world in one cup with Earthblend Coffee. Mango's Caribbean Restaurant, 180 Auburn Avenue, right next to Royal Peacock. In downtown Atlanta. For more info or directions, call 404-698-3992. Or log on to Restaurant.com. For instant coupons, text M-A-N-G-O-S to 313131.
0: Say your mama hungry, papa hungry, brother hungry.
3: Mango's Caribbean hungry. Restaurant. Authentic Caribbean cuisine. My this
0: is the BCSN Pod Zone, your place for the news, views, and conversations about all things related to HBCU athletics. Here, are the BCSN Sports Wrap, Doctor Cavill's inside the HBCU Sports Lab, Knights of the Round Table, the pregame show. The Carlos Brown Show, the ONG, Strike Zone, and more in one place. We are changing the way you consume HBCU Sports one broadcast at a time. back to the o Strike Zone. Brian Fulford, Kelvin Rozier, Kofi Hemingway. And we want to thank you for, uh, for continuing to support. Make sure to like and subscribe wherever you are watching and listening to our show. Uh, make sure to share it with uh, with the rest of Rattler Nation. Even, even if you got a few people that, you know, they may not be, you know, they may not bleed orange and green, but, you know, they are FAMU supportive. Uh, you know, go ahead and share it with them. You know, we, we want to continue to grow this thing. And I know, uh, you know, until every alumni in uh, Rattler Nation knows about our show, we're not going to be satisfied. But if we pick up a few non-Rattlers along the way, well, hey, we'll take that too. So, you know, uh, we we <laughs> we want to get as much as we can. Uh, there you see at the top, of course, uh, all of our uh, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook at ONG Strike Zone. Make sure to download the Jericho Broadcast Networks app, uh, my JBN or my BCSN. We are a part of the Black College Sports Network and the Jericho Broadcast Network's family, uh, of course, owned, Black-owned by FAMU alumni. So uh, let's make sure we support our own uh, in, in, in any way possible. And, hey, we're always looking for advertisers. Look, you see, some of us have gear. Some of us do not. Some of us are looking. We, hey, if you want us to sponsor, you want to supply us with some gear, I think we'll be gladly. we will wear some FAMU gear. It's got to be licensed, though. You know, we got to be official, though. We want to make sure right. we, are, we are supporting licensed uh, merchandise. So, uh, hopefully, those of you vendors out there, if you're not, we know it's tough. You know, it's hard time, but you need to go get get licensed. You know, we need all that money to come back to the university. You know, I, I love the uh, university wants theirs, so we need to go ahead and get. We know need to go ahead and get that uh, proper licensing and uh, things of that nature. So, uh, fellas, look, we obviously we did a little investigative reporting. Uh, We did a little digging because, uh, look, our our men's basketball program went off to uh, Puerto Rico earlier this month. Uh, I believe it was August uh, uh, the 6th through the 10th. They traveled down to Puerto Rico. And uh, for the most part, we didn't know much we you know we didn't know much of what was going on I mean we we knew that the team was going down there to play some games didn't know who didn't know where uh at the time the university wasn't releasing very much details on the opponent or the games uh which I don't you know I don't know how you feel about that guys but okay you know it's kind of interesting um So it wasn't until after everything, after all the games had played out, you know, a great report there on FAMUathletics.com, which made mention of the three games uh, that they won. Uh, They won the first game, 97-54. to Uh, Game two, uh, I believe the team put up uh, 102 points in that contest uh, while shooting (coughs) – shooting 53% from the field. Uh, Last game, they won by 33, 86 to 53. Uh, So first off, any thoughts about the the, the tournament trip in general, guys? Anything that concerns you about the fact that maybe we didn't know very many details while it was happening?
1: Not for me. Uh, I think that uh, your 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 basketball team having an opportunity to play summer basketball um, is is a big deal. Obviously, it's not uh, it wasn't an official NCAA game. Um, you know, we have a compliance comp- department that makes sure that we are in compliance with. NCAA rules before anything like that is scheduled because Lord knows we we can't afford to be on probation or anything like that. But, you know, this past spring, our football team had a scrimmage against Albany state and we had a a scrimmage against the university of West Florida being that our basketball team has been often, we're going into a new conference. It's good to be able to put your, your team in game like situations um as much as you can so they can see different styles and not only that if i'm a young basketball athlete if i'm a young basketball player uh an aspiring collegiate player and i look on social media and i see that the fam basketball team has gone to puerto rico i'm like look they're having a good time yeah you know i've never been to puerto i've never been to puerto rico shoot let me let me let me look into this Florida and M university. Oh my god, you mean LeBron James is supplying the gear? Oh, look at the shoes. Good. So that's the opportunity for them to wear the shoes. That's an opportunity for them to expand the brand. And you might be in Puerto Rico. They might have gone to Puerto Rico and seen somebody that was halfway good that might be able to contribute to our squad because Puerto Rico has, you know, some good basketball talent. And um, you know, I was happy that we were able to come away with the wins and no else. So I think it's a positive, it's a positive trip for us. I got, you know, I was looking at just trying to see how those multicolored LeBron James shoes were gonna work, but yeah. they
0: look good on the beach and they look good with the uniform. And I'm they like do. they do. I was I was I was go. like you. I was pleasantly surprised at how they look uh, you know, with the uniform. They they actually look pretty good. Uh <laughs> what are your thoughts, Kelvin?
2: Well, I'm gonna come at it from a little bit different of an angle. So this is COVID times. So having all your kids on campus practicing, preparing for this tournament helps you to keep your your, your pulse on the team and know what they're up to, and, and um, you know it you know gives you a better opportunity to one to bond. I know coach talked about that a little bit, and um but but I, I thought it was it was smart. A lot of teams uh, D one schools, power five schools. Do, do these kind of tournaments mm-hmm. prior to uh, the fall happening. So we get, you know, we got a lot of new parts um, with this team as well as a good mix of, of veterans too. So I, I think it was good to, you know, keep everybody here during the summer, let them get ahead academically mm-hmm. and um, also uh, learn each other in terms of socially as well as, on the court, athletically, uh, for for team bun, and then I just think it gave 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 them an opportunity also to make sure that nobody get in get in a situation where you know you know that they they're not available for the season in terms of COVID and so forth. And then I just think it's good. I think college part of the college experience, especially college athletics, you know, you don't get a chance to work and, and you be a typical student because you got practices and all this other. Things related to your sport, um, so if, if, if you know if you can take a trip and admit a little fun and pleasure along with uh, um, competition and 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 experience, that's what I, I'll say. Then I think that's that's just a plus for those kids, man. A, you know, a chance of a lifetime. Some of those kids may probably have, I know they went to Hawaii to a tournament uh, a couple of years ago. Some kids had never been on a plane. Some kids had you know never been out of state so so you know culturally you're exposing these kids to to other things too and i think that has value
0: yeah the 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 concept of doing these foreign tours uh has become a a real big trend for basketball uh you've probably seen more football programs do it in terms of maybe we've seen a few coaches in the in the FBS level where they've gone overseas I don't think they've really done any practicing or playing, but more so just kind of took the team and went overseas. But uh, the the foreign tour thing has been pretty popular. Basketball is one of those sports that translate globally. So you can take your program. and, And the one thing that the NCAA has done a great job is partnering with leagues and organizations around the globe so that a group of colleges can go. And so this particular trip, uh, which was sponsored through the NCAA and the uh Puerto Rican Liga de Baloncesto Puerto Ricania. okay? Or the LBP. Very good, I'm impressed. Thank you. I don't know thank if you, you got it right
2: or not, but but it, it sounds
0: good to me. <laughs> I, I said it the way I wrote it, and I thank God I took my Spanish too at FAMU along with my high school, so uh, you know, uh, it, that kind of worked out there, but the LBP. Is basically how you might summarize it. So it was the uh, Tau Baja Summer Shootout Tournament, the uh, Tau Baja Summer Shootout Tournament. That's where Famu was part of, and uh, it was really uh, a uh, an eight day. No, let me see. August sixth through the tenth. Uh, no, well, excuse me. August third through the tenth. So it's really set up as a a week long uh, shootout in which, uh, you had FAMU was one of five division one programs that played, uh, five or, uh, hand, I shouldn't say five. Cause really more, it was more so six, six clubs that were part of this LBP. And so, you know, as my contacts from Puerto Rico explained to me, the LBP is really a college level club program, not professional, but under professional, as he called it, um, so you've got a couple of different club programs that uh, that were participating in this, and so th- these these programs all play in a league during the regular season, and so it's a good opportunity for them to play some Division One NCAA level competition. Uh, so the other schools that were down there, you had Northern Colorado, Liberty University uh High Point University and Nickel State University. You know, and, and a couple of those programs actually, you know, had some great seasons. Uh, for example, Nickel State. Uh Nickel State out of the Southland Conference. They finished 14 and 2 in the regular season. They lost to Albaline Christian in the championship game. Albaline Christian went on and won the first round. I think that I forgot who they shocked as a uh, they beat, I think they were like a 14, 15 seed, but they knocked off somebody in the first game of the NCAA tournament. Um, I know because I lost that game in the tournament. Uh So, yeah, the, so, but then you had, I mean, so, so really the, the level of competition from the division one programs was pretty good. Uh So it was good to see, like you said one you went over there they won all three games nobody came away that i know of with any significant injuries uh so it was pretty good um there's a if you go to our facebook page we're going to post up one of the videos found a full game video uh from famu's first game against a program called uh yayuya uh that's yayuya so uh yeah, it's a, it's a club program, uh, you know, not known for their basketball, but uh, a- as evidenced by the FAMU winning by 40. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, if you want to get a chance to see uh, a game and what the guys look like, you know, you can go over to our Facebook page and take a look at the full video of that game. Uh, that's at O&G Strike Zone. And uh, you can see how the guys looked. And so that's out there. And I didn't get a chance to really confirm who those second and third games were. Actually, we were scheduled to play four. According to the original flyer that I came across, we were supposed to play uh, four games. But, uh, you know, probably given the fact that the last three days, they had us scheduled to play three games in three days. Coach was probably like, nah, after the second game, he was like, nah, we we need a rest. You know, we this is an AAU where we go play three games in three days. We don't even do that in the NCAA tournament. Uh so you know, probably wisely decided not to play that last game. And so uh we got out of there uh with, with a good with a good uh with a good trip. So uh that that's sort of the uh that's basically the summary for anybody because I know there was a lot of. A lot of talk in a lot of places, even on social media, trying to trying to figure out what was going on, wh- who we played, where we played. So there you go. That Now, now you, know. you know. Isn't that what they say, the little PSA? Now you know. All right. Well, let's get into talking about the big day in recruiting for FAMU football. Uh, I can't recall a day like this in a while. And so... You know we've got news, not only a, a couple of transfers, but uh, a high school signee. Let's start with uh, let's start with the high school signee first. Uh, a young man from out of Deerfield Beach High School, uh, Deerfield Beach, Florida, standout linebacker Deterius Lee, who committed to FAMU on Tuesday night. Uh, and that's a big deal. Uh, what, what do we know about uh, DeTarius Lee? Um, I think I said that right. Deterius Lee. Yeah, what do we know about Deterius, uh, Kelvin?
2: Well, a uh, Florida kid, South Florida, uh, Different Beach has a strong program year in, year out. They're very competitive. Uh, and um, this, this young man had offers from um, several group of five schools. Uh, different beach, I think was one of the programs that came during the spring also and did a visit, uh, to the, uh, field house, if I'm not mistaken. And there's been a lot of work going on there with stadium field house and so forth. So I'm, so I'm sure those things, uh, probably spoke well of the program, uh, kid. I think, uh, one of the recruiting services have him as a three-star you know, six one, around two fifteen. He was used more as a pass rusher uh, last year in terms of defense, but he's projected, of course, to be a linebacker at the next level, and and it's a significant get. I mean, it, 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 it's a big deal. So uh, kudos to the staff and everybody uh, who had, you know, who got who got this commitment.
0: Yeah, he he chose FAMU over Auburn, Kentucky, and Louisville. Those were the three programs that he had offers uh, on. Um, Kofi, any any thoughts on Mr. Lee?
1: Oh, absolutely, man. I think when you get quality athletes, quality athletes. um, attracting other quality athletes. You know, so that's going to be something, you know, just really looking forward to uh, as we get ready going into our real recruiting season and National Signing Day as these kids sign the National Letters of Intent. Um, this This is a big get, and hopefully it will springboard us into an amazing signing day come February 2nd.
0: I love his quote. Uh, this is right out of the Sun Sentinel. Um, you know, the, he, 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 was, he seems genuinely excited to have the opportunity to play for historically black university. Um, he said, quote, it's a way for me to connect to my roots. Honestly, uh, just being able to show that you can do it from an HBCU. It doesn't have to be a predominantly white institution. It can be anywhere. It was very important to me. I just want to be able to show young kids out here growing up that you don't have to go to a big power five school to be important or be successful. It's powerful. Yes. That's uh. And this generation of athletes is a very
1: woke generation. This is probably the most militant generation of athletes that I've seen since the sixties. Um, I wasn't even around in the sixties, but I'm just saying, um, You know, uh, where you had athletes that were doing great things, I want to say speaking out against uh, racial injustice, inequality, uh, speaking out against differences and not being afraid to stand up and make a statement for uh, your nationality. I think it's a big deal. Uh, I think that this generation is starting to really get it. Um, What's my man's name that played for the University of Florida? Crowder. Channing Crowder, um, you know, says a lot of different things that really made me cringe uh, when he was talking about his days at the University of Florida and his questioning of Deion Sanders and other five and four star athletes that are going to HBCUs and why he chose the University of Florida. Well, my thing is, you know these other schools did have those resources, but it's important to know why they had those resources when you have lawmakers and other people in your state that are um, finding ways to bend the system in their school's favor. So, you know, these, that's another conversation for another time, but I'm happy to have this guy. And I think it's going to, uh, be another clip in the gun for Willie Shotgun Simmons.
0: I, I always I, I applaud hearing young people uh, have a sense of history and and I don't I don't know about the comments by Crowder, but uh, it sounds like you know without even hearing all of what was said. Uh, whenever I hear people, it always just makes me wonder: A, do you understand? why HBCUs were created in the first place. And then two, you understand why we're sort of, if you want to say it the way you want to say it, if you want to say we're behind, you understand why we're behind other schools, right? If not by choice. All right. So anyway, I, I always wonder, do, do they get that? Do they understand that? Look, these fools
1: don't even recognize that there's a group or a sect of people that burned an entire city and yeah, stop. Of stop. black people down. It's, stop, it's, it's, stop. I'm just saying, I don't want to make I, anybody I, mad, but I mean, Black Wall Street used to really exist if it weren't for a certain sect of people that didn't decide to burn it down. So all I'm saying is, didn't burn on its own. You know, <laughs> it did burn like on it its knows. own. You know, so I, you we know. have to understand from whence we came, and it's good to hear quality athletes. Yeah. state and know who they are. Darius Leonard of the Indianapolis Colts yes, was sir. his inspiration and oh, he man. saw I'm just happy that the boy didn't go to South Carolina State University. I'm Amen. glad he's coming back.
0: man. Amen about that. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So uh, I, I don't you know I was trying to look for a social media handle for uh, uh, Deterius, but uh, when we yeah. find that we'll make sure to shout that out because Rattler Nation needs to make sure to uh, follow Deterious this season. Good luck to him and his uh, teammates down at Deerfield Beach. We wish them uh, much success and good health this upcoming year. Um, so, unfortunately, you know, we got to wait a year or two for Deterious to help us, but we got some guys who might be ready to come in and help us, like, I don't know, in two weeks or Ain't so. Ain't no might like that. <laughs> right. So, the first bit of great news I thought that came in was the announcement that former UCF defensive back Antoine Collier had made the decision to uh, come to FAMU, brought his talents to FAMU where he could play for his, uh, uh, hey, he'd be reunited with his old coach, Coach Billy Roll. Uh, Antoine was a uh, Miami Southridge standout. Uh, of course, he played for Coach Roll when they won the uh, 2016 state championship. And uh, then uh, Collier went off to UCF and, uh, I mean, hell, in the last his 2019 season as a true junior, uh he started all 13 games as a safety. Uh call your 195. and uh you know, we go back and find the film. Obviously, that was uh fam you played you yeah, to start that <laughs> to start that season. So you know, uh, I know Marquise Bell was in that game. I know Antoine Collier was in that game. So you you go go back. And the film is out there. Go to my man Alex Hines. Just go do a search, FAMU UCF, and you can go and see that game. Uh, but there's a great uh, video montage uh, at FAMU Videos on Twitter. Uh, my guy does a great job with uh, with the with the uh, FAMU Athletics football and marching one hundred videos. Uh, that's at FAMU Videos. Uh, as a nice little 2 minute montage of Antoine who uh look he was a first team all conference selection by pro football focus and so you know we we a lot of people who pay attention to football you 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 understand pro football focus does some good work uh so if he's being selected all conference in the AAC uh that's quality uh, he did play in 13 games his sophomore year, even played 13 games in his freshman year, although he his starting mostly came in 2019. Uh, 2020, he only played in five games in 2020 before having to leave uh, UCF, enter the transfer portal. And so uh, thankfully, like I said, everybody got that additional year and Mr. Collier is looking to take advantage of it. Uh, talk about the impact that Collier is going to have uh in that no-fly zone. Uh Kofi, I'll start with you.
1: Just pull up the tape, people. Pull up the tape. In fact, you, you can look on the tape because I'm sure Brian's gonna have that on here for everybody to just look at. But uh this boy can play. He's one of Billy Rose boys. This guy is fast, he has an attitude, he has a skill set, he has a high football IQ. I do not want to be a wide receiver coming across the middle with this guy back there, along with Marquise Bell. That's all I got to say about that one now. This is going to make our add to the level of depth that this defensive backfield already has. And I'm excited to see how this team is going to come together and play. Because I'm I'm excited about it already. Uh, Kelvin, what's you think?
2: So I'm I'm thinking about the length on the back end of our defense. We already got a difference maker there
3: yeah.
2: in Marquise Bell three 215. Now you're adding another difference maker at a back end. And when I when I say difference maker, so say somebody missing assignment uh or missing tackle. When you got that kind of blue chip. NFL pro talent times two on that back end. Um, it can erase a lot of mistakes. I anticipate with the offense, the Red Boys 2.0, the running backs, and, and what we're going to do in offense. There's a good chance we'll be out in front a lot um, on, on our opponents, and, and they'll be have to be one-dimensional, which means that they're – have to pass and they they're going to know those six three dump dumpers are back there look and so 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 like you i, I don't think it's going to be no fun I, I i i'm anticipating a lot of alligator arms and i'm super excited to see these kids and see this team man i really am i just want them to stay home and keep working because talent wise, it's, it's
1: scary listen uh, Jackson State is uh, features, uh, I want to say, uh, a lot of wide receivers. They throw the ball around. Uh, Alabama A&M throws the ball around. Um, Valley throws the ball around. UAPB throws the ball around. So you've seen a, a, a lot of teams in the SWAC that have uh, a high level of skill, especially outside um, with their wide outs and with their running backs. And so having – um speed along with the physicality in your secondary is going to be key because defense does win championships and I was happy I'm happy to see us uh, grab somebody of this caliber on that side of the ball.
0: Yeah, definitely. Uh, in 38 career games at UCF, Collier had 150 tackles, eight tackles for loss, six inTs, 11 pass defenses and remember, he primarily started, uh, that 29th, all of 2019, 13 games. And in, uh, 2020, he started five games, you know, the first five games of the season for UCF. And so he, uh, I, I'm telling you, that's a, that's an awesome, uh, you know, that's an awesome unit, uh, that's coming, uh, back there for FAMU defensively. Uh, then, then while we thought that was it, right, right before we were about to go live with recording, then we get the buzz, you know, we, we see, uh, you know, our, 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 man Bobby swoop and a few other people dropped out the little tidbit about another transfer from another major, uh, you know, FBS program. And yeah, I'm calling UCF a major program. They should be considered as such. They've done a damn good job over there. Uh, so at an FBS program, uh, this young man out of the class of 2020, a three-star from a Coe High School in Ocoee, Florida, uh, coming from uh, Louisville. Uh, that's Lovey Jenkins. And so this, uh, this announcement, uh, I don't think it caught a lot of buzz yet as of the time that we're recording this, but I think it just was dropped probably within the past 24 hours, really. Uh, he signed originally with louisville spent his freshman year with louisville i think had made it up to number two on the depth chart um and was really uh prior to leaving louisville was really expected to be uh, a starter this season if i'm not mistaken what do we got on on lovey jenkins kelvin yes uh as a redshirt freshman he
2: uh was part of team this spring and he was competing for the starting position and uh, I think his his role in at FAMU will be kind of a hybrid role. We have a position in which uh, there was actually uh, – Rory did a pretty good job with his 30-30. He was talking about this today. And Coach Dan, Dan Limpke in that group where, you know, guys have to both take on linemen and, and rush the passer and support the run but also get in coverage. And I anticipate that he may be a, a good candidate for that. And I just want to say, not only with these additions are we upgrading our talent and experience, but you have to remember from that 2019 team, pretty much all your cornerbacks are coming back too. Yeah. And, then we gain, and then we're gaining some that were injured in 2019, like Herman Jackson. So outside of that ride receiver core – and that running back core that we know we five six deep, that DB core is really shaping up to to look like uh, a a super group, and um I you can see two or three kids out of that group over the next year or two that will have a legitimate chance to be on the NFL roster, and and, one, and at least two have a chance to actually be drafted.
0: There were there were twenty six defensive backs on the roster before the announcement of Collier and Jenkins today. So now you got to imagine we're sitting somewhere in the ballpark of twenty eight, uh, and that's defense. I'm not, I'm not talking corners, safeties, nickels. I let the coaches and until we see the depth chart, we'll let all them break that out. But in terms of guys just listed as a defensive back on the roster, twenty eight guys now. Um, and like you said, I mean, the top three guys coming back, you had Bell, Eric Smith, uh, Troy Hilton. Those were the top three uh, uh, tacklers coming back. Then also, as you just mentioned, Herman Jackson coming back, who started as a freshman. He's now a redshirt junior. Um, so tough. That's a tough group. That's a Get tough excited,
1: Rattler Nation.
0: Get excited. You talk about look, we ought to have a. I'm gonna tell you what we ought to have a great special teams if nothing else too, because yeah. a lot of these a lot of these guys they they may not see much time, uh in in, in not, not even in dime coverage. You know you 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 there's not gonna be a lot of but you're gonna have an opportunity if you get over to special teams to make a play and make an impact. And so some guys may spend a year or two in that role until is their time to shine you know there's some great guys who were drafted or who came in uh part of the uh the class of 2020 2021 that were dbs uh three four star guys they they may not see the field this first year or two you know it's gonna be that the competition is gonna be that tight especially at the one and two uh, on the depth chart it's gonna be really nice to see uh some tough choices for the coaching staff to make without a doubt Uh, But it's definitely good to see that kind of size, though, when we think about it. Um, So uh, shout out to uh, Lovey Jenkins uh, coming to FAMU. And, of course, uh, Antoine Collier. Hey, one of the things I've seen, guys, uh, we're picking up a lot of UCF fans rooting for Collier and FAMU. Of course, we take on their major rival, USF. So, I mean, they're excited for Collier. They're like, hey, Good luck, man. Go beat you. Go beat USF. Yeah, we we, we want to win over USF bad. That would be a real nice feather in the cap uh, to the program for us to get a win over USF. Uh, that, that'd that be really good. And then I think uh, is it this year we play UCF or is it next year?
2: I, I think it's in the coming year.
0: Right. OK, yeah. So next year we, we have UCF. But uh, yeah, so uh, the one the one report that did come out on the transfer is we're talking about transferring news there was the report that uh east carolina defensive lineman and outside linebacker jason or jason romero who had originally had committed to famu out of the portal back on june 20th it was it was reported by rivals that he is not enrolled at famu uh right now so uh we don't know if uh that is over and done with or You know, if there's still some things being worked on on the back channels, but that was the report from rivals uh, that Jason Romero had not enrolled, even though he had committed back on June 20th. So uh, just something to kind of keep an eye out on. All right, fellas. Well, loaded show, man, loaded uh, a couple of hours, all kinds of stuff. We hit it all today. Uh, yep. Any final thoughts, Kelvin, before we uh, close out the show and and uh, and put a bow on this one? I'm
2: looking forward to uh, the next scrimmage coming up and have some feedback and information on that, as well as uh, some of the newcomers and see how we getting how's that battle for the QBs coming along and how some of the new talent uh, meshing with the the current. Players and, and where we are in terms of being ready as a team for that first game against Jackson State, and then um, I, I, I'm starting to, pay, now. We getting to the point where I'm starting to pay attention also to to the to opponents. And since Jackson State is opponent number one, uh, I, I,
1: I'll be looking at some intel on how they're doing in their camp too. Exactly. Uh, all right. Good job, Kofi. What do you got? Man, I am just so excited about this upcoming. You know, the closer we get to football season, uh, the more excited I'm going to get. So I'm looking for even greater news coming down the pipe uh, in regards to our program. And uh, I want to encourage Rattler Nation um, to do their part as well uh, by supporting the program, of course, financially. But then also, you know, purchasing tickets, but not only just sitting there in the stands, but making noise and making some more noise. So I'm looking forward to um, what I consider the most knowledgeable football fan base uh, among the HBCUs uh, when we are engaged in the game action. So I'm looking forward to everything that's coming down the pike and seeing it all come together.
0: The Orange Blossom Classic is coming up fast, coming up on about two weeks away. Uh, still some time to go get tickets. Uh, they, they, I, I'm expecting over 50,000, to be honest, even with everything going on. I know it seems challenging, but I just got a feeling it's going to be It's a lot of hype. And uh, we, we've we talked about it. Uh, I, I feel like this is going to be one of those games that we're going to look back on. And we're going to count the number of pros that played in this game. I I said it on uh, another show. Uh, I really feel like there may be close to that, maybe a half dozen plus guys. You know, we talk about that old Miami-Florida State game from 1988, and people talk about the number of pros that were in that game. Well, I think for an HBCU game, this may be that game where you see the quality of of guys that, you know, may have that opportunity on the the play at the next level uh, based on what we see. And and I think you're going to see two similar teams uh, and it's going to be, it's going to be a dog fight and it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out. So I'm super excited to see this one. And uh, so looking forward to uh, next week's show reminder, uh, you know, we'll, we'll get into more of our band preseason preview, looking forward to Kofi's breakdown. Uh, you know, Kelvin and I have been talking about our most impactful players, most impactful transfers for the upcoming season. So we'll kind of we'll kind of toss around maybe a top ten and a top five, and uh, give you guys uh, some some talk about that. Uh, we're always looking for some news tidbits, some information. Might even have some historical information to share from our good friend Alvin Hollins on the OBC. And uh, Jackson, I heard another interesting tidbit about a FAMU-Jackson State game. So uh, we'll have to start looking into that rivalry too, guys. You know, we kind of to start. As you said, Kelvin, it's, it's time to start looking at the opponent. Time to start pulling out the, some of the historical things, trends, old games, and things of that nature. Because uh, it's, it's that time. And so a lot to do and a lot to talk about. You can interact with us. On Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, at ONG Strike Zone. Make sure you're there. Make sure you're commenting. Even if you put on something in the uh, as you're watching us on YouTube, make sure to hit us up. Send us an email, ONG Strike Zone at gmail.com, and let us know what you thought of the show, what you want to add, what you'd like to see us talk about on the next episode. So. That's going to do it. want to thank uh, uh, Coach Gokot for uh, for joining us and uh, talking about the uh, volleyball program. Congrats to the ladies on getting back on the court after two years of being away from it. We look forward to covering them this season and uh, all of our sports. Uh, can't wait to uh, to talk more with some more coaches, some players. Some even some administrators. You know, yeah, we we want to also get behind the scenes in our athletic department and talk to the people who are out making things happen. So uh, we're going to do all of that on the next uh, upcoming episode. So that's going to do it for Kofi Hemingway, Kelvin Rozier. I am Brian Fulford, and you are watching and listening to the ONG Strike Zone. Be safe, mask up, watch out for each other, and hey, Rattlers, strike on! Go, oh, go,